Welcome to our CyberWise Chats, where we talk about the challenges of raising and teaching digital kids. I'm Diana Graber, author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. Join every episode with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Our always lively conversations tackle topics like cyberbullying, screen time, TikTok, and everything in between. We've got some great guests and promise each chat will give you the tips, tricks, and confidence you need to help kids use technology safely and wisely. I guess we can start. I've got all the buttons pushed and everything. Nice to see you all. How is nice. it today? Great. Nice to be here. Great to be here. Great to be here. Happy spring. Happy spring. I get a new puppy tomorrow. Oh, exciting. Wow. Love puppies. <laughs> you're right, both on so the West Coast, so your spring is a little more exciting than yeah, the, uh, the New York definitely one. Definitely yeah. spring outside, I'll tell you. It's <laughs> beautiful, yeah. So welcome everybody that's logging on right now to our today's chat. As you know, we're going to talk about social media dangers. How, how can we make it safer for kids? Um, I'm Diana Graber. I'm the author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. I'm here as always with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Um, also joining us today is CJ Lindsay. Um, he'll be keeping an eye on our chat box. If you have questions as we go along, feel free to put them in there. He is going to interrupt us and ask us any pertinent questions. He also has an announcement for us in just a moment. Uh, but first of all, I wanna say how excited we are to welcome our special guest and someone I have personally enjoyed chatting with in the past. Uh, David Ryan Polger, who's the founder and executive director of All Take This Human, an organization you're going to hear a lot of, about in just a moment. But first, um, CJ, do you want to share our special news today? Yeah, so exciting news. Uh, if you enjoy these CyberWise chats, we have actually taken the backlog of 16 episodes and uh, turned them into a podcast. So it's on uh, Spotify, it's on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it should be most everywhere that you listen to your podcast. So if you like the information here and you're looking to continue the education on uh, previous episodes, the, the whole backlog, all 16 uh, episodes are available right now. So go check it out. It's amazing, CJ, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. For so long, people have recommended that and it's just so much work and CJ really <laughs> worked in and we so appreciate it. So thank you. So, Today webinar, <laughs> uh, we'll keep doing these. And as you heard, we're gonna talk about social media dangers. You guys have heard the dangers, right? Cyberbullying, sexting, misinformation, political polarization, inappropriate conduct, et cetera, et cetera. So today we're gonna really focus on how all stakeholders, that's parents, schools, policymakers, and tech companies can work together to mitigate these risks and keep social media safer for our kids. Um, I know this is something that David works on uh, daily. So I think this is a good time maybe to tell us a little bit more about Altic as Human and what you're doing uh, about these problems. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure, you know, getting to know you and just always been inspired by all your work. I know we met each other at the Digital Citizenship Summit that I co-founded in 2015 in Connecticut, and then also the following year uh, at Twitter headquarters, uh, right? The kickoff for US Media Literacy Week uh, right in the fall of 2016. 
uh, right before people really, really started talking about <laughs> media literacy after our U.S. election. But with All Tickets Human, that's a nonprofit, 501c3, that I started in 2018. The idea behind the organization is that we are building the quote-unquote responsible tech ecosystem, making it more diverse, multidisciplinary, and aligned with the public interest. We're focused on three major buckets. One around education, because we hold these really large open working groups that release these impactful community reports. For example, we just started one on AI and human rights that has about 300 people across the globe taking part in this, this collaboration. Uh, and then specifically for today's conversation, we re recently released a report called the HX report, right? Moving from kind of the user experience to the human experience really perfectly for your earlier book, you know, focusing on the, the humans behind the screens. Uh, you can find that at hxreport.org. We also released one the previous year on improving social media that you can find at improvingsocialmedia.com. So outside of education, we also focus on disrupting the underlying pipeline because we need people like that are, that are attending this webinar to be involved in how we develop and deploy technology. Right. They're oftentimes not. We need more attorneys, psychologists, sociologists, people who understand and appreciate ethics, responsibility, human behavior. Social media, by its very nature, is about how humans interact. Yet, from its initial design, we put uh, kind of an over-index on technologists and really underutilize social scientists and, and people who actually think about unintended consequences. I like to say that we, we kind of focus so much on problem find or problem solvers but not enough on problem finders right people who actually say this could be an issue let's fix it and lastly we unite a diverse range of stakeholders to tackle some of the thorniest issues in tech and society like misinformation hate speech csam some of the worst of the worst that are really complex nuanced uh, topics that benefit by bringing together policymakers parents students researchers and others. And that's a lot of what we, we do. Uh, previous to uh, COVID, uh, we held a lot of ethical tech summits in San Francisco, Seattle, New York, uh, and we're, we're doing a bunch uh, right now. So people can always kind of reach out our way at alltechishuman.org. I uh, certainly got our hands full because there's a lot of issues, as we'll talk about today, uh, with, with social media. Great. Well, thank you, David. And policyholders, parents, yeah. educators, all those people are important. We're going to talk about that today. But first, I kind of want to quickly turn to Pam, because I want, like, we all have these dangers, you know, we hear about. Right. In your view, what are the biggest social media dangers that parents should be worried about? Well, since we're talking today about this multi-stakeholder uh, event, which I think is super important, um, the, the biggest danger is that we have legislators legislating, but they don't use social media, and they don't understand the world, kids' experience. So I'm really happy to hear, David, that you're bringing people from this multidisciplinary uh, landscape in because that is so important. It's, you know, like the original gaming research where, where the people who did the research had never played a video game. Mm -hmm. So it's very important. And the other real big danger in my mind is that somehow parents think these companies and these rules are supposed to protect their kids. And it really is boots on the ground when it comes to making sure that your kids are protected with uh, media literacy, critical thinking, all of the stuff that, that we talk about here uh, every month. So to me, those are the two biggest dangers that, that it looks like somebody else is solving the problem and we don't, and we don't help. Yeah. And, and I just want to quickly say what parents say the biggest danger is, 
screen time, cyberbullying. And I disagree. I think the biggest danger is misinformation. I think that's a huge one that we have. And also I think um, the, the second one that we don't really hear about so much is uh, content, like what kids yeah. are seeing. Because there's so many young kids online and there's really a lot of disturbing content that I think they should be shielded from. So that's what I think. And, and yeah. David, in your view, like if you were to pick- Yeah, two, if, what would you say? You know, I, I guess my biggest concern is, is how we relate to one another, uh, specifically with kind of influencer culture. I, I, I also serve on TikTok's Content Advisory Council and a few other working groups. And one of the things that I always think about and, and debate and hopefully try to reduce is this kind of over-reliance on kind of uh, metrics, as we talked about before, right? Ensuring that we're posting what we want to post, not what will always be liked. And how do we ensure that we are conveying our, our true kind of humanity and who we are, our individualism? Because that's kind of the promise of social media and by extension, the web, is that it should increase our, our social nature and, and our ability for free expression. But oftentimes uh, it, it quickly turns into a performance uh, art. Uh, but also outside of that, uh, you know, just, just the ability to, uh, you know, something I'm always inspired by your work, right? Of, of showcasing kind of empathy. You know, how do we ensure that we know that, you know, that the person uh, on the other end of the screen is not gonna bleed zeros and ones. Uh, they're, they're uh, you know, an actual, individual? Uh, how do we always maintain our humanity as we oftentimes, especially now through a two-year pandemic, are conveying that that uh, <laughs> the person on the other side of the screen matters? Uh, and that's something we always have to, to think about because oftentimes we can really objectify and, and kind of treat somebody like it, like an avatar uh, when they're not. Can't legislate that, by the way. No, you cannot. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And there's no magic. There's no magic button for that, right? No, because there's nothing. Like, oftentimes, we're, we're assuming, company can do yeah. to, to make a kid have more empathy. I'm telling you that right now. That's I, on us as parents, yes. and educators. So we'll, we'll get that, to them in a second. But I, I do want to start with the tech companies, sure, um, because they're important. Uh, mm -hmm. Do we think they're doing enough, Pam? Do you think they're doing enough? And what are they doing? Well, I mean. Anytime you have a commercial concern, they have obligations to their shareholders, they have fiduciary responsibilities. So it's really um, maybe a little naive to expect that all they care about is their uh, users' well being, right? They, that's not their primary goal. They're trying to stay in business. They want the users happy, right? Because they need them because they need to make money to pay for their pay their shareholders. So so there's really some balance there. So I think when you consider with just TikTok, 1 billion monthly users, how in God's name is anybody going to monitor that amount of content? So we all have to participate. But I think where the tech companies fall down is providing ways for citizens to participate in helping monitor and feedback and empowering kids, which is what you do all the time, Diana, to how do, how do you respond to things? How do you, you know, say that's not okay? Or how do you find what you want to see? I'll tell you, I find TikTok very difficult when I'm looking for certain things because it's just a barrage. Yeah, and I and I think, you know, I mean, I understand it's a business and all that, but it's just irritating to me that the tech companies respond rather than doing something upfront. For example, TikTok gets slammed with all those mm -hmm. uh, privacy violations a couple years ago. All of a sudden, they come out with great parental controls. Same thing with Instagram, terrible press, all fall. Guess what? Last week, Instagram has new parental controls. 
And by the way, they're almost exactly the same as TikToks. So, <laughs> great thinking. I hope they didn't pay a lot of money to have those people put that together. So, well, there's a lot of best practices, right? That, you know, you have got groups like the Trust and Safety Professional Alliance and others that, that share best practices kind of behind the scenes for this growing kind of trust and safety kind of field. But I mean, I think this is not just unique to social media. That's just a corporate kind of concern we always have is that oftentimes people are making cost benefit analysis. Let me go look up Firestone Tire, what happened there early on when their tires were blowing up and, and people were dying, but they did a cost benefit analysis on how much lawsuits cost and that dictated their decisions as opposed to the fact that it was a family, you know, in a car that, that was affected by their uh, their tires. So I think with, with companies, the big thing I've seen, I remember I had this slide that that had, you know, the Simpsons between a rock and a hard place, this kind of famous scene. And that's what I always kind of hear from a lot of companies, because to not act is to, to, to be negligent and to act is to assert power that is an unelected kind of official. Right. So so to take down misinformation. Uh, that makes certain people happy, but then it also makes another group happy. I mean, just look at the Hunter Biden situation and, and and we don't know what to do. So a lot of times companies, the reason one of the reasons why they're trying to always delegate responsibility is because there there's a paradox because they they have this public pressure to act, but different than an elected official that can be voted out of office. And we give moral authority to those elected officials through our democratic norms. You don't have that in a company. However, the public is starting to relate to social media as if it's something more than a company. And this is where a lot of this issue is headed. For example, everyone on social media talks about Twitter being a public square. Well, public square is actually, you know, that, that's part of, of the three branches of government that you have checks and balances and you have one group making laws, the other one enforcing them, the other one interpreting them. We can find that under judge, jury and executioner. Kushner, no wonder there's a problem. So we, we actually have a lot to, to kind of iron out over the next couple of years. Yeah. Do you think it matters? Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm not. Go ahead, Pam. I was just going to say, do you think it matters, David, or do you think it's a challenge for these tech companies because they're continually trying to innovate to keep yeah. to keep users, which means they're actually inventing things that they don't even really understand the implications of. I mean, and so, I mean, right. Yeah. so they would have to slow down production of, or the introduction of new uh, features, if they were really going to do that sort of chess game of what could happen, what could happen, what could happen. Do they think about that? Well, they're thinking about it a lot more, but that's where public pressure and, and pressure from policymakers does make a difference, right? That's the, the good news is that sometimes in, in a, a capitalistic type of structure, we you need to have these different points of, of pressure. My own personal opinion is that social media companies got in over their skis because we wrongly define social media as if it's tech and as if it's an app that gets your pizza there quicker, right? Like that doesn't have huge consequences to, to humanity, the human condition and democracy at large. But social media, we originally kind of defined it as if it's like, well, look, we're just connecting people. But in fact, it's since it changes the news you get, it changes your, your experiences and who you, you vote for. Look at what's going on in Russia. Your even conception of reality is being distorted by your lack of, of, of proper information and the kind of uh, abundance of disinformation that is altering somebody's conception of what is even happening on the ground. That's a big deal. So in other words, 
tech companies are now in the kind of realm of something so consequential that eventually it's going to have to be integrated more into our uh, political bodies. So if I was looking at where I think this is actually headed, uh, eventually there, there's probably going to be a greater kind of integration. We might have elected officials kind of intertwined with, with social media, because if we're going to call it the public square, then that also means that we should treat it with the same level of, of seriousness and accountability and transparency uh, and fairness that we would with uh, with with the actual public square that, that we would have. And, and I, I just want to yeah. say one thing, Dave, really quickly, because this is really big picture, which is so important. Yes, for, yes. We have a lot of parents that are right. listening. And for sure. parents, you know, do be aware mm -hmm. that there are some parental controls on these apps. And a lot of people, I talk to parents all the time that don't have any idea how to use them or where they are. So in most of those apps that kids use, if you go into the settings, you can find pretty good controls. The point is, Will kids use them? Will they keep them on there after you set them up with them? Probably not. <laughs> defaults defaults are so, so crucial, right? So, and that's what I would say to all the parents kind of listening is that that's where eventually this area is going to be headed. So if, even if you look at just as a fun fact, right? Like uh, a lot more Canadians will donate their organs than Americans. Well, why does that happen? Because we have to opt in in America and Canadians opt out. Right. That subtle difference, same thing in social media. If you make something a default, people use it because that's what people, you know, are and, used and to. And a great example of that is Instagram's new uh, privacy settings they just introduced last week. Um, in order to use them, your child has to ask you. Like, mom, will you ah, please yes. set up? Did you know that? You have to ask, request your parents. So that that's a, we're going to get to that part in a minute. We're going to talk about kids because they're such an important part of this yes. stakeholder group. They're actually the most important part. But in the interest of time, I'm going to move to the next group, sure. which is legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, legislation really pushed the tech companies to make some changes, so it is effective. Um, there's a couple laws uh, going mm -hmm. around right now for those who are unaware. Um, let's see here. There's the Kids Online Safety Act that came after this legislation, after all these high-profile hearings in Congress. Um, it will do a bunch of things. Uh, for example, it would give parents and users under 16 the ability to opt out of algorithmic recommendations. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Prevent third parties from viewing a minor's data and limit the time kids spend on the platform. So it'll do a bunch of other things. Those are just two, you know, three of the big ones. Um, what do we think about this? You like this, Pam? Well, I'm, you know, I wanted to even make a distinction when you said parental controls. There are some parental controls that I think are very positive, right? Understanding what happens to the data, understanding the sort of privacy settings, that kind of thing. I am not in favor of the sort of big brother, you know, mommy cop uh, apps, because it's teaching exactly the opposite thing that you want these kids to learn. We want them to learn responsibility, critical thinking. We want to have an open conversation about how they're using it. And if they feel untrusted or that they're spied upon, then to me, that's really setting the ball back. And you just told the kid, don't, please don't talk to me about problems you have with technology because I'm going to take your phone. So it's very important to distinguish between age appropriate parental controls where you're really controlling things that matter and these, I'm not, I don't want to teach my kid. I just want to, you know, be a spy on them. 